Ovajana, Tumirandasya, Yanam Jana Shalakaya, Chakshur Militam Yuna Tasmai Shigaravinamaha. Maharaj Yudhishthira can see that Arjuna doesn't look very happy. If someone's not very happy, you can usually understand by seeing them. There's, uh, that's described in the Nectar of Devotion, which is based on the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which is based on the Natya Shastra. And of course, the Natya Shastra is the science of dance or drama. But that, of course, is originally taken from the spiritual emotions, how different emotions are expressed. These are called Anubhav, the, the expressions of different uh, feelings in relationship with Krishna. For instance, if you see someone smiling, that's often that's often uh, an expression of humor, and feeling something's funny. So, how that's related to Krishna is because of Krishna's funny behavior or some. Jokes told maybe about others who are not uh, very favorable to Krishna, just like that. There's that saying one of the gopis was saying to Kutila, the sister in law of Radharani, who was against Krishna's meeting with Radharani. That uh, you are so beautiful, your voice sounds as beautiful as a frog's, and your breasts are long and drooping, just like a like a worn-out bag or something like this. Your belly is as large and beautiful as a drum. So, considering this, you're so, you're so fantastically beautiful that only you, among all the women in Vrindavan, are not attracted to Krishna. So, this is the kind of thing that you might laugh at. So, there's a whole science to understand how emotions are expressed. Of course, someone may try to cover their feelings. That's also a large part of Radha Krishna Leela, how the gopis are trying to cover their feelings of attachment to Krishna. And if the if they, if the elders see them exhibiting attachment to Krishna, they'll always have to try to make up some excuse like this. So this is uh, in ordinary life also. We see that even those who haven't studied all the science of rasa, you can also see if someone looks miserable that they're miserable. If they look miserable, it probably means that they are miserable. It's not usually that someone looks miserable and isn't miserable. Sometimes someone may look happy, but they may be miserable. That's more common. Because they, they don't like to show that they're miserable. People like to cover up their emotions and show that they're actually unhappy because everyone has to put on the show of being God. And God is happy. So... They have to show that they're happy. Because happy means that 
Well, in material life, people think that you should be happy if you're, you know, you have enough money and enough sense enjoyment. So they don't like to show that they're unhappy, because then that would mean that they're not doing very well in the competition to be God. So we have to show that they're happy even if they're not happy. It's different in different cultures. In in North Europe and America, it's more like that. Although. There's an English saying, to show the heart on the sleeve. That means not to hide, but to, it should be openly there, everyone can see. So, that Among Latin people, they explain, if they're unhappy, they'll cry. If they're happy, they'll, they'll laugh and sing and dance, whereas your Englishman is just the same. He just keeps a straight face. In either circumstance, maybe he'll indulge in a slight, slight quarter of a centimeter upturning of the lips. If he's happy, in England that's also called the British stiff upper lip. That means it's stiff; it never moves. <laughs> so actually, we see that uh, Latin people they they can very they very easily take to to Krishna consciousness. They like to join in the dancing and the chanting, and they don't have any inhibition like that. They like to join in. Anyway, Arjuna, he's not feeling happy, he's feeling sad. So, Maharaj Yudhishthi, he's trying to find out what is the cause of that. It may be, to see that someone's unhappy, that, that may, of course you may misjudge someone's emotions, but generally the emotions are expressed. There are certain expressions. So if you see someone's unhappy, then the next thing is you may want to find out why. Because we don't, someone doesn't, generally, uh, if people is of good nature, he doesn't like to see people unhappy. They may to try to find out why to maybe sympathize with them or alleviate their distress. Or in the case of Maharaj Yudhishthira, if Arjuna is unhappy, then because Arjuna is uh, not just his brother, but very, it's, it's not simply a bodily relationship like that. The dogs, they also have a bodily relationship, but the one dog doesn't, the brother doesn't care for another. Even the mother doesn't care for the son. When the son's a little grown up, I've seen that, then they don't care. I saw in Russia they were keeping one, one uh, dog, and they, they, the mother was there with her son. The son was already completely grown up, bigger than the mother. So when they threw some bread, and they were fighting over it. It's, it's not like the mother, the mother is saying, okay, let the son take, but they were fighting over it. And it's not that they were only gave them one piece of bread a day either. They also, it wasn't that they were starving them. So, it, it, the relationship was very close. Here in this, here in this verse, twice Yudhishthira is addressing Arjuna, Tata, which means like a, you'll address a darling child, a, a, a very much loved child. So as a younger brother, he was he was treating him like that, very affectionate, especially because they lost their father in the early age. So Yudhishthira was like a father to his younger sons, younger brothers. In the absence of the father, the Eldest son, he takes the place of the father in the family. 
So it's a very intimate and loving relationship, and apart from that, there is also the consideration that um, as the head of state or political leader, that Arjun was cooperating with Yudhishthir in managing the state. So if he was unhappy, that suggested that there's something that maybe he should be taking care of as something something wrong in the state. Of course, the other possible reason, he was giving so many different possibilities. The other possible reason is that Krishna has passed away. That's all. That's another way they were, that's the most important way that Yudhishthira and Arjuna were related is that they were related as devotees, apart from their bodily relationship. Just like I was saying the other day, Bhaktisiddhanta Sartako. He never thought of his father as an ordinary son might think of his father. He never thought of him in a mundane way, but he always uh, respected him as an acharya and related with him like a disciple. Okay, you see that the the young boys they're sent to the Gurukul. They're sent at a young age, so the the guru becomes like their father. Even age wise, he will be like usually at least like their father or older. So Maharaj Yudhishthira was trying to guess what are the causes of your despondency. And he's giving some different possibilities that maybe you've been disrespected. In Gita, Krishna also says, for one who has been honored, dishonor is worse than death. Especially among Kshatriyas, I was speaking about the other, yesterday was it? How, for the honor for a Kshatriya, it's, it's, for, that's actually a fact. For Kshatriya, dishonor is worse than death. I think several times I told that story of the, the Rajput went out to fight with his army, went out from the palace and he came back defeated. So, the, according to how the flag is kept, you understand whether, the, whether you've been victorious or if the flag should be flying high, but there was no flag. So it means they had not been victorious. So he came back and found all the gates of his city closed. And he was saying to open up and they said, no, the queen has ordered not to open. He said, well, I'm the king. Call the queen. You know, everyone knows he's the king. So the queen came and said, what's going on? Why don't you let me in? I'm your husband. I'm the king. He said, you're not my husband. My husband would never come back from a battle uh, defeated. He would either win or he would be killed. So he went back, he had no choice, he had to go back and fight, facing certain death. He had to go, and the queen knew also. So they also prepared their, their, their funeral pyre, and they all joined the queens. They all had to die, rather than he be defeated. It's not, it's dishonorable. The honor was, well, that's one reason why, actually, the over, this is a little bit of historical analysis, that because of, uh, 
because of this strong sense of honor, that's one reason why the Muslims became so strong. Because of the, they, they were always, when the Rajputs weren't fighting the Muslims, they were always fighting each other. And so they became weakened and the, 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 the kings, they, all, they were all killing each other. And really they'd rather die than lose their honor. So instead of putting, instead of having a united front to fight against the Mughals, they, they would, but then as soon as they'd finished fighting the Mughals, they'd fight each other because it's, you know, they'd fight against the Mughals and one said, one would say that, yes, I won that battle, and say, you didn't win it, I won it, and then they'd start fighting them, you know, like this, so. It's shatri honor, but there should be some, there should be some discretion also. We see Yudhishthir became the king of the world, so he was sending around the challenge horse. So the, the kings, they had to submit. So you may think, well, it's not good to submit. It's against your honor. But there was nothing wrong in submitting to someone who's worth submitting to. That was the idea. But if he... If the emperor, there are the kings, I mean sub-kings, and then the emperor. So if the emperor, if the emperor was, one could be a king under an emperor. King means raja. And the emperor, the word is samrat, which means the king of all the other kings. So one could submit if he was uh, actually powerful enough to subdue you. And he was honorable and ruling according to religious principles, and he didn't uh, torture you or disrespect you like that. So that was, if one had too much strong sense of honor, then he couldn't, he couldn't submit. But that, that was the provision. Otherwise, every king would always be fighting with each other. That you could submit to someone honorable. Who was, who was worthy, it was not dishonorable to submit to a great Raja like Yudhishthira Maharaj. So uh, Yudhishthira is asking that, have others disrespected and neglected you because of your long stay at Dwarka? He was thinking that's the possible reason. If you stay in a place a long time, people may disrespect you. Prabhupada explained that. After for three days someone is a guest. If they stay longer, they're like a family member. You don't have to give them any special respect, and you might even say some things to them that they may not like. If one one is honored as a guest for three days, but then after that, then that's not the rule that you should go. Of course, it may be different. Just like Krishna, he went with all his queens to stay with Yudhishthira in Hastinapur. I mean, that's no small order to look after 16,108 queens with all their servants and their household. And, you, and not just look after, but up to the princely standard. But nevertheless, Yudhishthira was happy to have them. And they didn't like Krishna to go. When a guest leaves, you usually express some regret. Please stay, please stay. But, but actually, you may want them to go, but... Mm-hmm. But Yudhishthira, he didn't want Krishna to go. You see, Kunti is praying, please don't go. So if you're actually honored and welcomed, then you may 
stay more time, but generally, if you stay a long time, even if you're a respected guest, there's the tendency is there that familiarity breeds contempt. So even Arjun was such a close friend of Krishna, but Yudhishthir was wondering whether he'd been disrespected due to his long stay in one place because familiarity breeds contempt. If you stay with it, because everyone has different idiosyncrasies and if you see someone you may, you may think, why do they do like this? Why do they do like that? And you tend to find out some fault-finding tendency. Or you may think, well, you know, what, what's so, just like with the deity Prabhupada warned, that you may think, well, what's so special I'm worshipping? If you do every day, he warned, Pujari should be very careful. That every day during deity, so why should I bother? Why, why should I be so careful? A tendency may be that you think it's, it's not such a special thing. Uh, he also warned that personal servants of the spiritual master should be very careful also because that also that feeling may be there. That familiarity breeds contempt. Now he eats, he sleeps, he, so you know, why take him very special? He speaks about Krishna. I also speak about Krishna. I also do. So that tendency may be there, that one may become disrespected. That, that happened with Prabhupada, actually. It's not recorded in full detail in the Prabhupada Lilamrita how at one point some of his disciples, they were some of his close disciples, they were disrespected. They actually locked Prabhupada up and made him a prisoner. It's not recorded. They wouldn't let him out. Of the, they wouldn't let him out. They wouldn't let him come and give class. So Prabhupada was, uh, was very upset. He was thinking of leaving Iskar. And he was thinking of leaving and just going back, going back to India and just writing his books. But then he did something... And instead he gave them all sanya and said, you, now you go out and preach. He said, you're, st you're staying in one place and now, you see now for the first time Iskon had some big property and many followers and there was some income. And Prabhupada said, you see now you've, now you've become implicated in politics. So you take sannyas and you go out and preach. And don't spend any, don't stay any one place. You know, just keep on traveling and preaching Otherwise, this tendency to become implicated in trying to control others and scheming and politicking, Prabhupada was very concerned. But he didn't give up the fight. He tried to reform. <coughs> so that, uh, you see, that tendency to insult others or, or to familiarity breeds contempt if one is seen them too much. So Yudhishthir was wondering, has Arjun been subjected to that? But then he thought it's not very likely in Dwarka because they're all uh, they're all friends of Krishna and relatives of Krishna. Apart from that, nothing auspicious can happen in the presence of Krishna. Although we see that even in Dwarka that familiarity breeds contempt happen when something uh, 
there was some inauspicious happenings that Satrajit he was he was killed and uh, and the people of Dwarka they was they were thinking that uh, if the Samantaka jewel goes away then there'll be inauspiciousness not thinking that well Krishna is here if Krishna, Krishna, whatever power is there in anything, the, the Samantaka jewel gives power that there will be no drought or no inauspiciousness. But then they forgot that the power, or the power of everything, comes from Krishna. So they were also bewildered. They also suffered from that familiarity breeds contempt syndrome, and thinking that there could be some auspiciousness, but they couldn't. Even the uh, Dwarka was attacked by Shalva, so that appeared to be inauspicious. But it was never truly inauspicious because Krishna and Balaram, of course, Krishna wasn't there at the time, he came in the middle of the fight, but Balaram and Padyumna, Aniruddha, they're all Vishnu Tattva, they were all there protecting. So, of course, Dwarka is a very special place. Dwarka, Mathura, Puri, Navadip, these are all very special places. Or any place where the Lord is worshipped. Prabhupada says, our temples, they're all like Vaikuntha because the deity is here and the activities of Vaikuntha are going on. So they are special places. And the ordinary rules don't apply to them. But in as much as we are in material consciousness, we can still be affected, even if we're in the dham or even if we're in the temple. Sometimes people are surprised that, oh, you see a member of ISKCON and they're doing this wrong or that wrong, but you may be a member, you may be living in the abode of the Lord and acting in his service, but if we maintain our material consciousness, then we're not in Krishna consciousness. Krishna consciousness doesn't necessarily mean living next to Krishna. Prabhupada gave the example, the bug is on the same throne as the king. He's closely associated with the king. He's on the same throne, but he doesn't have the same position. He simply gives pain by biting. They felt they didn't properly take his association. I came into the presence of Prabhupada a month before he passed away. He just arrived in the evening and left the next morning. Because we knew Prabhupada wanted to distribute books. So. But we didn't know, no one told us that Prabhupada had asked for all his disciples to come. But I, I could have spent that last month in the association of Prabhupada. No one told us. There, there was something going on actually. They deliberately didn't tell Prabhupada said he wanted all his disciples to come, but the GBCs didn't tell everybody because they thought, you know, we want our temples to go on and this and that. Hare Krishna. Unfortunately, we were unfortunate. Anyway, we were engaged in the service of Prabhupada. But then again, we may have become overly familiar. We may have thought that, oh, Prabhupada is there. So why should I bother spending so much time? I can go anytime. That feeling may come. 
we don't appreciate. Even sometimes people think that. Just like Surabdhamada, he's saying that, oh, I'm in Maya now, but I'll come back in two or three years. He's taking it so cheaply. That, oh, well, you know, I can, I can take I can take to Krishna consciousness any time. It's all right. I can just change. Whenever I just enjoy the material world a bit now, and then after some time, when I feel like it, I'll come back. Not thinking that Krishna consciousness is not such a, a cheap thing. You can pick it up or take it away. It depends on the mercy of Krishna and the Vaishnavas. And if you have such an attitude, you're not going to get the mercy. One of my godbrothers, he was, of course, he was initiated by Prabhupada, but then he went to Lalita Prasad, who was the son of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and took some Babaji initiation from him. There weren't many in those days, there were very few. It was a very unusual thing to do, to go and take initiation again like that. And then after some time of being a Babaji and having his Siddha Swarup and all this kind of thing, uh, he went back to New York and then some of our devotees met him there and they were talking and he said, well, I think I've done enough Krishna consciousness for this lifetime. That's enough for this lifetime. Such an attitude. And he was becoming a big, big, another one became Babaji and then he became a, now he's teaching Sanskrit at the university and criticizing Prabhupada Raskar. So, they have such a blasé attitude. You know that word blasé probably doesn't come in your language, it comes from French. It means, you know, don't care, couldn't care, everything's okay, couldn't care less kind of attitude. Not at all proper or respectful. They take Krishna consciousness as something very cheap. They get the gift of Krishna consciousness after many lifetimes. And then they think, okay, all right. I chatted Hare Krishna for a few years. All right, okay. Now I'll go back to being a karma. Such an attitude. Actually, there are many like that. And the worst thing is when they try to justify it. If they say... If they've, if they've fallen like that and they say, yes, I'm fallen, I'm very sinful, please forgive me, something like that, well, that's not so bad. But if you say that, well, you know, there's nothing wrong in drinking and smoking and there's nothing in Shastra against smoking cigarettes and, you know, you're also, why are you, why are you showing that you're such a great devotee you know, you're just making a show, you're wearing orange cloth, but are you free from material desires? And in this way, they're trying to justify their position by, by various rascal ideas. So that's what it is, it's just rascal them, that's all. Prabhupada said they're animals, such people. He said, it was said that, when Prabhupada was asked that if you if you don't follow after getting initiated, Prabhupada said, then they're animals, that's all. He said, he said, because an animal cannot give a promise. A human being gives a promise. So you promise to follow all these rules and regulations and chant. And if you don't follow, then what are you? Of course, if devotees came in a... We see that if devotees, they'd fallen away and they came to Prabhupada in a humble mood, he was very accommodating. But if they came in a challenging mood, Prabhupada cut them like anything. 
didn't tolerate. If they came to Prabhupada and they tried to criticize or justify their position or whatever, Prabhupada just... He usually, he, he would just have them taken away, thrown out of the room. He would smash them for a bit, and then if they didn't accept it, he would he'd just throw them. He, he wouldn't discuss with them. Because it's actually an insult to come. You accept someone as a guru, and then you want to challenge. You don't follow and you want to challenge him. So Prabhupada being very merciful, to the, the best way he could manifest to them, his mercy to them in that situation was just to throw them out because they're just making so many offenses in his presence. They're making offenses anyway, not in his presence. But if they make offenses directly to his face, it's more offensive. So that familiarity breeds contempt. That's being alluded to by Yudhishthira here. So we should be very careful to understand what a precious gift we have of Krishna consciousness and not give it up for any worldly consideration. Hare Krishna. Any question about this? Some heavy topics to think, but Krishna consciousness is heavy. It's a very serious thing. Very, very serious. Very responsible. You're not allowed to become an airline pilot unless you're trained and also they have to see psychologically are you a, are you a stable person? Anything, a soldier. You don't take people out of the, the crazy house and train them as soldiers. You have to, they have to see if they're psychologically stable because it's a very responsible thing to be walking around with a gun. Policemen, you know. They have to be... Uh, you have to be trustworthy that they're going to fulfill their responsibility. That's right. In the, in the Vietnam War, they just took they took boys out of the colleges and universities, or the, without any, and then they stuck them in the army. And uh, there were many cases of they would shoot their commander from behind in the battle. They didn't like, you know, they they hated being in the army. And they hated this guy telling them what to do. So it's in the battle, they just shoot him from behind. No one could say who shot him, but he was shot from behind, you can understand. There are many cases that they were shot by their own troops. So there wasn't the proper screening whether they're fit to be a soldier. So even in material life, you see, who's, who's chosen to be the bodyguard for the Queen of England? Not just any, as Indira Gandhi was stupid. She, uh, she kept Sikhs as bodyguards. Just after she stormed the most sacred temple in, in, in uh, the Sikh religion and just completely filled it up with bullets and killed the, killed the uh, chief, that, what was his name, Bindravali, the, 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 the Sikh hero. So they killed him, but not surprisingly, about a month later, her Sikh bodyguard killed her. So, I mean, you have to choose someone. You have to see someone's going to be taking a position. Even in the material world, it has to be seen as they're actually fit for that. They have to be very responsible. Another thing, who was that also? Was it Nasser? He was the Egyptian prime minister. Not Nasser, he died. 
Sadat and He was shot by his own troops. Another one. So they, they he had to screen. He had to screen very carefully. Even to get a driving license. Want to speak? Even to get a driving license, you have to be. You have to be seen. You have to have a. If you're physically fit and if you're psychologically fit, because crazy man, you know, one of our devotees, I remember he was telling me years, years ago, he was driving his, or he was walking on Madras at night and someone came in a car and drove at him, tried to kill him, some drunk guy. So, even to get a driving license, you have to be responsible, you can misuse that position of a driver, what to speak of the position of being a, a bodyguard of the Queen of England or whatever. So, being a devotee it means a very, very serious commitment and one has to be responsible not to misuse that and not to turn against those he's supposed to be serving. Often we find very Junior devotees are very eager to come and serve the guru and be close, but they don't actually know how to behave or what they're doing, or they're not, usually they're not trained, they're not responsible, and they do all kinds of stupid things. So it's a very responsible position to be closely associated with the guru or pujari, serving the deity. One shouldn't become overly familiar. You should know how to serve properly. And you should not become inimical or cynical. Hare Krishna. How to keep that mood? Well, that Krishna has described. Acharyang maam vijani annava maam yeta karyachit namartya buddhya suyeta sarvadeva maya guru. One should always consider guru to be just as good as Krishna, not, not, not disrespect in any way. Never consider him an ordinary person because he's the sum total of all the demigods. That transcendental diary you can read by Hari Shoi Prabhu, it's very nice how actually Prabhupada was very familiar and friendly with him more than many of his servants. Some of them he was very familiar and friendly with from the early days, like Brahmananda, Hayagriva, but then later on others who came. It's like Shutakirti, he, he always kept a mood of great awe and reverence. He hardly spoke in Prabhupada's presence. And Harikesh Prabhupada used to chastise him a lot, a lot. But Harishoi, even though he was quite a young devotee when he became Prabhupada's servant, but Prabhupada liked to talk with him in a, in a, sometimes in a very familiar way. And it's like they got on with it. They, they, they got on with each other very well. But at the same time, Harishwari Prabhu always maintained a, a mood of very great respectfulness. And he, he always thought of Prabhupada as the empowered Acharya of the world. And he took it very seriously, his, his service. 
And Prabhupada took it very seriously also his servant. He didn't like them doing anything, even slightly wrong, because the servant, what's the use of the, the servant is supposed to be making life easier. Instead of, but if they don't if they don't do the right thing then they then they make it more difficult. If they don't do something they're expected to do, then they make it more difficult. It's, I mean it's not that Prabhupada in one sense it wasn't that he needed it. I mean he had lived alone. And he could do everything himself. He could look after himself. He wasn't incapable. So practically the, the job of a servant is to... Well, I mean, you can do everything yourself, but on the other hand, if there is someone to look after travel arrangements, that's more like the job of the secretary. Of course, Prabhupada, you started taking massage. That, that was one of the major jobs of the servant. Prabhupada would have massage for several hours every day, actually, two to three hours. Because he, he had that heart problem first when he was going on the boat. So that was very good. He felt that was very good for his health. And things like setting up the mosquito net, putting the, washing his cloth. And in the winter he'd put the bucket out, the bucket in the sun, so it would get a little bit warm. So he'd take a little bit warm bath. So Prabhupada could have done that, but on the other hand, as world Acharya, he had so many things to do, so it was better that his time be spared. Plus, it's when you have disciples, it's the duty of the Guru to engage them, to give them some service. It's his, it's his duty to, to have them serve him so that they can make advancement also, learn how to serve. So anyway, Hari Shwarpabha is a very good example of someone who is living with Prabhupada very intimately, but at the same time always kept a very respectful mood. Shudhikirti Prabhu also. Respectful. His mood was different. Harishwari would converse freely with Prabhupada. Converse freely means that he never became familiar, but if he saw that Prabhupada wanted to talk, then he would reciprocate it. If he saw that Prabhupada just wanted to be left alone, he, he would go out. Whereas Shutakirti, he, he described that if he saw that Prabhupada wanted to talk, he'd try to, but at the same time, he, was, he, was, he wasn't. Even though he can talk very freely with everyone, but he couldn't, he probably was always in such a mood that he, can, he couldn't talk very freely. That's described also like the sons of Krishna in Dwaraka, that they, they're always very respectful. They mostly, they look down, they wouldn't, they just look at his feet and they, they're always in a very respectful mood. They wouldn't, uh, They wouldn't become over-familiar with him. So different people relate in different ways. Hmm. And that was one of the wonderful gifts of Srila Prabhupada, that he was able to relate with so many different people in different ways. Not that he changed, not that he himself was different. It's not that he he adjusted, that his own personality changed, but he was able to accommodate all different kinds of personalities. (laughs) 
I was just reading something Dina Bandha Prabhu said about one of his friends from the hippie days who's still a hippie. Must be, more, must be more than 50 years old now. But he joined the devotees for some time. So he asked Prabhupada, that, well, how can I surrender to Krishna? And Prabhupada paused. And I was saying that Prabhupada could understand that he's, he's not the kind of person who surrenders to anything. So Prabhupada paused for a little time, for a moment. Then he smiled and said, chant and dance like a madman. Because he knew that this is something that he could relate to and he was doing. So if he told him that you should follow all the rules and regulations throughout your life, it's, it's not, you know, it's, he'd be disappointed and defeated by such an order. Papa told him, chant and dance like a madman, which was, for him, that was just exactly the perfect instruction. Because anyway, that was the main thing he liked about the devotees and the prasadam. That he liked that. And uh, he was doing it, and he, he completely related with that. So Prabhupada was so perfect. He knew how to instruct everyone according to their needs. There's so many instances of that. Satsuru Maharaj also is another instance of that. That he was very much attached to reading different books before. She was just becoming a devotee. So he asked Prabhupada, what about all these different authors? And, uh, no, this is very near point stage. They have expressed so many different realizations about life. And Are they also not Krishna conscious? So Prabhupada said, their sincerity is their Krishna consciousness. So Satsuru Maharaj, in one of his books, he noted that Prabhupada was... Uh, he could understand that I was attached to all these different authors, so he didn't answer in such a way that he said, well, they're all nonsense, which is actually a fact. But uh, he said, their sincerity is their Christian. As much as they're sincere, that much they're Krishna conscious. Which is also true. You could say, very primary stage of Krishna consciousness. Whatever sincerity they have which may not be much. Because often people, they'll write, there's one book, I, I didn't read it all, I read some of it, one of my godbrothers said, it was interesting to read it. It was called, a book called Intellectuals. And the, the first paragraph, is, it sets the, it, it gives the mood for which the whole book should be read. It said that pre previously in traditional societies, People were judged according to fixed standard of morality, usually based in scripture. But as those norms, as, as those standards are no longer accepted, um, then if we are to judge people, we, we have to we have to see by their behavior what they. You can't just judge people according to what they say, but you have to judge according to what they do. This is a very important point. Don't judge people just by what they say, but you see what they do. As I say, many people say, I love Prabhupada. Anyone can say, I love Prabhupada. What do they do? Do they follow as he instructed? So anyway, in this book, you have to see how they actually lived. So he gave a short biography of several of the most influential intellectuals in the last hundred years or so, including 
Tolstoy, then Norman Mailer, who was like one of the one of the uh, leaders of the hippie movement in some ways, I guess you could say. Uh, Sartre, William Bertrand Russell, who's considered a great altruist, athe- an, athe- a confer- an, an avowed atheist, but an humanitarian. So then one, some woman called something Hella, who wrote dramas. So a few of them like this, and the, like the and he he noted like this author he's a Harvard professor I can't remember his name he he noted like the high things they wrote about and spoke about and then he saw their actual lives and in their actual lives they're all debauchees every one of them and in, 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 debauchee means you're just having sex left right and center so. Uh, he said, like Sartre, he said, he, he found some passages where he actually admitted that he made up his philosophy to justify his way of life because he was a university professor. And, you know, there were young girls in the university. And he was enjoying it. So he had his, he had his philosophy to explain, to explain this and how he, he lived with some woman for so many years. And he was having so many other women also. And then after so many years of having children, he just <laughs> dumped her. And he's, these are the kind of people that are setting the standard for modern life, which is a normal thing. As I just read in BTG yesterday, one woman is giving her life story that after 24 years of marriage, I divorced my husband. He wasn't a bad guy, but he wasn't interested in spiritual life, so I divorced him. This is, you know, giving the Hare Krishna devotees speaking to the world. This is, this is our standard. But if, you, if your husband, is, he's not spiritual enough, you can divorce him. It's in BTG, you see. This is Iskon in the 21st century. So, he was analyzing how all these intellectuals, they, they, they speak so many high things, but they're, you know, they're just interested in sex, they're animals. Very interesting book. Interesting analysis. In America, there are different groups of of people. There are like the liberals, who you know they just you know have sex left, right, and center. It's okay. Everything's all right. But also, there's a very the Republican Party has Christian values, and they're still power. Republican just got in, and they they believe in morality, family values, Christian influence very much so. Still, Islam. I was just—I just got a letter from my, one of my disciples who, from Russia, who's Russian, but she, I think she's somewhat Caucasian. You know, Caucasian means they're all in Central Asia, Central Asia and Caucasia, Georgia, Armenia, all these places. So she's she's saying that even now, in those areas, the women they can't look at men. They have to keep covered like this. So even now they, they have those values. So even now in America, despite so much liberalism, there's still a very strong group who want to be traditional. They're, they don't like modern society the way it is.
Uh, was this watch, was this clock put on the right time? Yeah, actually it was late. Really? Then my watch is not keeping proper time. This is the correct time. This is the correct time, huh? Hmm. Well, my watch used to keep correct time, maybe since I put an Indian battery in, it's not working. <laughs> I changed the battery. Maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah, man? You talk about the soldiers. Yeah. They should be normal or civil. You see, I don't want to, to judge, but you see, now movement Tamil presidents who are psychologically imbalanced, yes? <laughs> GBCs. Someone told me recently that uh, they gave the name of some psychological disorder. I can't remember the name. One of us. No, there's so many. I can't remember what it was exactly. I think it's one Sanyasi was telling me. So he gave, he gave the name of one of one of the GBCs. He says, "Oh, he has this." She's a brainer. Huh? She's a brainer. She? No, it wasn't a she. It was a he. Because the fact that there's a she on the GBC makes me think maybe they're all crazy. It's being taped. Oh well. Put it on, put it on the internet. What does it matter? Uh, some kind of syndrome where you always have to sh- no, what is it? I, I don't know. I can't remember. Some. You always have to show you're better than someone else or something. So, yeah. There's someone who has like a strong craving for power. They may, they may, uh, that's like abnormal to be like always wanting to control others, but naturally they tend to get in positions of control because they have a strong desire for it. I mean, everyone has some desire, but if you just want to control people for the sake of controlling them, it's Usually it's not very pleasant for the people you're controlling. That's why a leader in Krishna consciousness, he should actually think of himself as a servant of everybody else. Not only a leader, everyone should think of themselves as servants. That's why some people say they don't like organized religion. Because these things tend to creep in. That's why we often say when people come and uh, they say they, they protest to us, oh, I don't like organized religion, say, oh, you'll love our movement. <laughs> it's so disorganized. <laughs> but it is, it's, uh, it's a dilemma. If you don't organize, then how are you going to preach effectively? How are you going to spread Krishna consciousness to others? Unless there's some, some plan, some system, some organization. But as soon as you have an organization, then uh, the negative points of organizations tend to creep in. So what's the solution? Haran Nama, 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 Ha
have a lot of kirtan and then that would, and then uh, hopefully that will make the the people who are mentally disordered less so and even if not then at least you're having a good kirtan and you can tolerate all the all the discrepancies it's difficult can be difficult we're not pretending that it's utopia Prabhupada wrote several times to his disciples that it's unrealistic to expect utopia of course you might expect some kind of normal dealings even then you'll find I would say probably most families nowadays that there's not there's not very there's strain and disagreement and and in the world many people they feel more happy at work because especially if it's like some progressive company that's making a lot of money and like then there's a chance to go ahead and they kind of lose themselves in their work and of course many people in work it's also it's not a functional atmosphere but such companies they don't last usually if all the people are fighting with each other and families that are dysfunctional they don't last either so the emphasis in modern life is more on being a success in your work than having a normal family life so you often find that people are successful at work their family life is a it's it's a mess and they try to compensate for that by giving money but it doesn't work whereas the families that struggle together they're usually they're better anyway modern society is a mess and if our society has various disorders well it also reflects the greater society people are coming to our movement from all kinds of mostly they're coming because they're suffering and they're suffering because of uh, these kind of things they're coming from a disordered and unhappy background people come for different reasons what to do we should try and work on at least where we are in the group of devotees we're in to try to make a an atmosphere that is conducive to Krishna consciousness and not <coughs> on the one hand management is required but on the other hand this uh, controlling people just for the sake of controlling them is not pleasant management means controlling some measure of controlling has to be there so we should try ourselves to i just got a letter also from one disciple who's saying that you know i don't feel very nice relationships among the devotees but i was saying well i wrote back and said that well it may be that the devotee you find they're selfish and impersonal but unless you maybe they're having problems themselves unless you try and open up to them then you're also selfish and impersonal everyone's blaming everyone else for being selfish and impersonal but who's going to take the step to to try and uh, appreciate the other devotees problems and try even though they may not be treating you so nicely to try and come forward and bring out the best in them and, and try to re- rectify the situation by your own good behavior and personal dealings so the solution lies in every one of us 
Although we may want, if someone is, you know, they're out, we do find within our movement some people who are very difficult to deal with, and we may want to keep a distance from them. If we can't, you know, if we can't influence them to change, uh, and if we find it's too disturbing, then we may want to keep some distance. But we don't want to put everyone in that category, because we have to live with someone. We have to live with devotees, those who are interested in Krishna consciousness. Okay, I'm going to stop there. It's having long sessions these days. Long classes. Lots of long questions and answer sessions more than anything. That's nice. Means your brains, brains are alive.